0: Propose a change of rules here at Soccer Rangers. I propose from now on we refer to Cole hereforth only as Chumley because he is totally No, no,
1: family. no. I will not be, be to be named but as or even be anywhere as close to be to that Jack Wagon. That Jack Wagon. That sounds like something Chumley would say. No.
0: Does, doesn't I do.
1: will ban you from this server. Who, me or Rob? Both of you, if you call me that. Uh, do it, and then
0: we'll just start a new server. Well, it, it's majority rules, so all in favor, say aye. 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 Majority rules. There we
2: go. And so it was written, on the day of September 14th, 2017, call is now Chumley. Oh,
0: he raged. And he, just, oh. and he just left the chat. Oh, well. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Zio, a Sakura Rangers podcast, where we focus on conventions, cosplay, and nerddom in general. I'm Robert. I'll be your Red Ranger this evening.
2: Uh, I'll be Tyler. I'll be the Black Ranger. And-, and
0: Chumlee, the Green Ranger, will eventually go and show up.
2: Probably. He, he's having a little bit of a temper tantrum.
0: So. I, d- I don't even know what to say right now. He just... He was here, and then he was gone. Whether or not I include the conversation that led up to this in the podcast, I'm not sure. It might be funnier to leave it out.
2: I... D- I think it's funnier to leave it in. Fuck it, we'll leave it in. Because that was hilarious. It was... Oh, my God. Oh. Oh, you just... He's oh he's he's now typing the checks. oh he's he's oh he's honestly going to take no part. We call him Chumley.
0: It's okay, it's okay. He, he We've is, done our damage.
2: Wow, it's some 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 severe butthurt right there.
0: <laughs> that really was wow. And now he's not going to speak either. Cole, you can talk. Okay, it's. The joke's been made. It's over.
2: Okay. Anyways, so uh, what's the topics for today?
0: Anyway, Cole, uh, introduce yourself. We were we were getting into that, so you can just you can go and just uh, enter right now. You can just go and kind of slide your way in here. Okay, nobody's gonna even know about what happened before. Okay, slide on in. Like and I'm America. Cole. I'm the. Also, set yourself to push to talk because we heard everything in the background. Yeah, <laughs> I am pushed to talk. Slide,
1: you just slide on in like you're not wearing a condom. I've been pushed to talk for the past ten, for the entire time I've been in you know, this conversation. In past just ten holding minutes. the button down. Wow, that's not even... Then that just kind of defeats the point, doesn't it? And I'm Cole. I'm the Green Ranger.
0: Welcome back, Cole.
1: Welcome, huh? Oh, you sound so
2: sad and like you don't care. Come on, let's get some enthusiasm. Give us a big smile. Is it a dick in a box? Dig in a box, girl. Is just a dick in a box? Dick in a box, girl. A box? A box, girl. All right, so, Robert, what are we talking ugly.
1: about this week?
0: Ugliest dick I've ever seen. That's all I'm going to say.
1: Digging in a box.
2: Digging in a box, girl. All I'm gonna right, keep seriously. singing
0: it unless somebody says something. <laughs> digging okay. a box. Oh, goddammit. <laughs> digging a box, girl. I was just waiting for him to finish up there. Digging
2: a box. Digging a box, girl. i wonder how
0: much longer he can keep this going before he's digging a box. This box. He's, <laughs> he's, the digging, digging, he's been the drinking.
1: Box. He can go all night.
2: Girl. Just be glad I'm not going Jon Snow. Oh, god. I can forever when I go Jon Snow. John Snow. John Snow. John Snow. John Snow. Hey, give us a random
0: Canadian fact. That ought to break this posture.
2: Oh, what is a random? No, you can't you can't ask for one. It's gotta be spur of the moment. It's gotta be like, oh, this is related to this random Canadian fact that I'm about to say. But you can't just say, hey, give me a random Canadian fact. It doesn't work like that. I'm not gonna write you a love song if you ask for it.
0: God damn it. Don't don't go pulling that on me. Do you
2: need I mean, one? That,
0: that is my that is my song, you asshole. That is. That's right. That's why I said it.
2: Don't think I don't know you. I know you.
0: I know. I know you know me. I. I. I know you.
2: You know. I know. You know. I know. You know. I know you know. You. I, I know. I know you. I
0: know So, what you what's do, the bro. topic for tonight? Yes, the topic for tonight. Wow, that only took us a ridiculous amount of time to get to. Ah, all right, all right. So,
1: ladies and gentlemen, the Soccer Rangers.
0: Da 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 da. So,
1: so, so. So I've been watching Akiba. No,
0: should I keep that for the other podcast? I might have to
2: keep that for the other podcast.
0: Keep that for the other podcast. That's a that's a tease. That's a tease. My God,
2: Akiba Rangers. And I realized we're so much. I didn't know we were them until I watched them. And I'm like, oh, my God, that for them. That's us. How do we do it? Goddamn. Okay, I'll leave. that's that's for that podcast. Anime podcast. We we're we're going to talk about Samurai Flamenco. I'm going to talk about uh, Akiba Rangers. And it's going to be very Sentai and Kamen Rider heavy. So look forward to that.
0: That's a tease, folks. That's Canadian tease.
2: Just the tip.
0: Why Why does that always have to come up? That needs to be like a drinking rule there. Every time Tyler says that.
2: I, I, I very rarely say just the tip,
0: okay? Dude, you've been saying that a lot recently. Well, like It used to be becomes a rare relevant.
2: Thing. I only say it when it's relevant. And I apparently we talk about things and it makes it very relevant, okay? Next next you're gonna say it's a drink it's gonna be a drinking rule every time I say something sexual. Well, goddamn, people are just gonna be chugging all the time. That's just called waterfall. I don't God feel damn. like killing waterfall you. like the Niagara Falls that are in Canada, which have a I don't even know how much gallons. I don't I don't know. I don't know much about Niagara Falls, so I I'm not even gonna go there for Canadian facts. So topics.
0: Shall I continue? Hurry up. Okay. Okay. So this is a little bit of an abstract segue, but I think it's one that's worth bringing up here. It's three
1: thousand one hundred sixty tons of water every second.
2: Cole, he was—he had a window. Why'd you? Oh, there you go. Random fact. Take a drink.
0: Yep. (laughs) All right, there we go. We have accomplished that goal for the day. Check that off the list. Okay, we got a Canadian fact in there. We got a drink. That's
2: two drinks because I said take a drink. Now that's three.
0: I thought we, yeah, but uh, we're not going to go and debate the rules of this. Anyway, hey, Soccer Rangers drinking game. Check it out. Anyway, going on to the actual subject of the evening here. So earlier this week, last week, for anybody listening to this on Premiere Day, uh, Bethesda made kind of a big announcement. So we already knew that the Nintendo Switch was getting a hold of their own version of Skyrim. Uh, that was announced at, well, the actual unveiling uh conference that everything went or that they started to go and show us all the details with the switch but Bethesda is also going and coming out with a switch port of doom and the big one the new wolfenstein game uh are also coming to, are also coming to switch they also went and announced that future games that are being developed for the current generation systems and non-PC exclusives will also be available to the switch upcoming This is kind of a big deal because Bethesda's games are massive in scale. Anybody that's played, whether it's uh, Fallout, whether it's one of the Elder Scrolls games, they know on how big these titles are. And to go and see something like this brought to what is essentially a portable gaming device is really the realization of something a lot of people have been dreaming about since the Game Boy. You know, all the power of Nintendo in the palm of your hands. It was one of the best marketing uh, marketing taglines that's ever come out. And it got people to go and buy what was really an inferior system with the hopes of being able to go and play what was the cutting edge of the time. Now we're finding ourselves in a situation where that actually is a realization. And I just thought that was cool, and I wanted to talk about that and the potential with other devices that... Are starting to come to the market now that might be able to realize that as well, including something that I'm about to start playing right now. IGPD win.
2: IGPD win?
0: GPD win.
2: PGD win. I don't know what that is. What are you you saying? I have
1: no idea. Are you having a
2: stroke? You're talking about like 5G or something.
0: Okay, okay, okay. So for anybody that's not aware, how many people are aware of all of the quote-unquote portable console games or game systems that have come to Indiegogo and Kickstarter in the last couple of years that have been total scams?
1: Um, I, just,
2: I can think, think the last of two. One? Um, shit, it's the, uh, I can think of the last one that was like an Android one. Uh, fuck, what was it called? See, that's the point. It's you're,
0: like, you're, you're not talking about like the Ouya or something like that, are you?
2: I'm thinking, I think, I think I'm talking about the Ouya. Yeah,
0: yeah, no, that, that's, 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 that's a, that's a way. That's th- an actual thing, isn't it? It, it, it well, yes, it actually yeah. is still a thing. It but,
2: actually became a thing, but it's like, it's all shit, so it doesn't matter.
0: Yeah, no, it's like, why would you go and pay to go and play games that you can play for free on your phone and with a less effective controller? Uh, that was the oya but that one did actually start off with more promise than what it turned out to be.
2: I still don't know what this IGG win thing is.
0: Okay, 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 okay. Hey, so uh, I think, at least I'm hoping here, uh, that some of the people out there listening might be like me and go and follow all of the Kickstarter, Indiegogo, uh, GoFundMe, scam- her scams that have gone on recently. Uh, when it comes to developing portable consoles. Nintendo's really had a lock in the market for really ever since the Game Boy when it comes to portable handheld. Sony's tried to get into it and never really been able to get market share. And there's always been an interest in uh, PC gaming on the go. But most of the time, that involves going carrying around a very large, very expensive laptop in order to do that. And even then... I don't think that we've really gotten to the point where laptop gaming can really be compared to full on desktop gaming. No, because, it's, uh,
2: yeah. I, I still say when you uh, say you lapped a gaming laptop, you still have to say it with air quotes. A gaming laptop. Yeah, it's still not a gaming computer. It's
0: just like a laptop. What
2: computer. about the Razor Blade? It didn't do what they wanted it to do.
0: Yeah, it, we're we're getting closer and closer, but we still haven't quite gotten there yet. I mean, when Alienware first introduced an upgradable uh, graphics card in a laptop, and oh god, this has been more than ten years at this point. That was kind of a game changer. But
2: now they're yeah. owned by
0: Dell. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's uh, that says a lot right there.
2: That's where it ended up. Now they're owned by Dell. Same with uh, same with the. Um... Razor blade, they made one, sounded good, and then they completely revamped it for the next time, and now it's still like you don't you don't see everyone having one. Like it's if you want to go buy a gaming computer, you sort of buy a tower and you build it yourself, and like you just a laptop, no one really has one because it doesn't really work. Yeah, not like, the way not the way it's supposed not, to work. Because yeah, the problem is. I refer to as the chase. Um, sure, the com- laptop is always going to be behind the computer and the video games because you can't the laptop can't catch up because the tower and the computer games themselves are also going as quick ahead of them. So there is no gain or loss. It's just they're both going at the same speed forward, so it's like, well they're o- it's just always going to be behind infinitely. Until the end of time, there's no way it's ever going to be better because if they make something better, it's going to be bigger than what is currently here until they can shrink it down. But by the time they shrink it down, there's something's going to be better. That's already slightly bigger. And
0: it's just kind of always going to work that way. If you get my drift, Totally agree there. But here's the thing I would go and say, because, well, I don't think that laptop gaming and I do think eventually it'll get there right now. It's not where it needs to be. Something kind of interesting is there have been a lot of projects that have been going on recently, trying to go and make uh smaller micro sized computers that are capable of going and matching up to at least some of the current generation games that are out there. And most of them have been total scams. Uh, the biggest one that's going, yeah, the biggest one going on right now is the, uh, I don't actually know how this is supposed to be pronounced. It's the Smotch Z, if I'm pronouncing it uh, phonetically there. Uh, That's been the big one with a lot of Fallout recently, because this one, supposedly there was a real working prototype, and what they really did is they just broke down a uh, Lynx tablet computer, and got it to go and run some uh, Steam games, and that's about all they've been able to do at this point. But... About uh, eight months ago, there was an Indiegogo that finally came to market that was real. And it came from just this upstart company uh, calling themselves GPD, and their first unit, The Win, is what they came out with. And basically, it's a Nintendo 3DS size uh, netbook that sports just enough power and performance to be able to go and run. Quite a few modern games. I was playing around with this while I was waiting for the computer to go and boot up. And I was playing Grand Theft Auto V's single-player mode. And it was actually running pretty competently. It was running at about 30 frames per second. And this one's kind of cool because it's got a set of twin thumbsticks on there. So I'm actually able to play it like... uh, a regular console with a gamepad or at the current moment, I've got my keyboard and mouse plugged into it. uh, And I'm actually going and playing it that way. And it's working surprisingly competently and it cost me 350 bucks. This is just kind of a novelty thing. I decided to try out and so far I haven't been depressed. (laughs) So I don't know. It's just kind of interesting to me to see that there is this promise that we had from the eighties with the game boy is almost kind of coming into realization now with things like the Switch, and at least with this one little miracle piece of hardware. I just wonder if we'll see more of this stuff coming, and is that a good thing?
2: I don't know. I don't know. Um, Well, I... uh, Hmm. Hmm. I feel like Nintendo has always been very good at making the... uh, making the portable consoles, because... Sony had a crack at it and it never really took off with their PSP and their PS Vita. And yeah, I don't know. I think I think I think Sony is just sort of cornered the market on it and is just going to hold that forever. Because like the Switch seems to have a strong start and it doesn't seem to be getting any lower than that. So yeah, I don't I don't see them dropping off anytime soon. So I feel like maybe they have kind of got the monopoly on it. And like why would you buy anything else other than just getting a switch? Because there's definitely all the Bethesda games going on to it, which are long, lengthy games that you can play on that. Uh plus they have their Marvel or not Marvel, their Mario and uh Legend of Zelda stuff on there that everyone has talked about it and has, has said is fantastic. Like uh, Breath of the Wild seems to be the best Zelda game in since forever. So I don't know. I feel like it's just a weird monopoly but that's, but that seems
1: to be. But that seems to be the case with a lot of games. Like it's not every game that is saying, oh, the sequel, like every time there's a new sequel for one, it's like, oh, this is the best blank ever. Or blah, blah, blah. Like I remember back for Zelda, for example, like, uh-huh. I've like, never heard well, that for most games. Like I remember back, well, for there's a good, a good, not most games, but a good, a good number. Like back when, um, well, it wasn't Wind Waker. Yeah, what oh, was the man. one for for DS for for uh, Zelda? I'm trying to remember right now off the top of my head. It was. It came out during high school when in the last year of our when we were in high school. Uh, uh,
0: Spirit Tracks or
1: Minish Cap?
0: I think you're thinking <laughs> Phantom Hourglass.
1: No, hold on, I gotta look this up now. Uh, it
2: was found on Allegas or Spirit Tracks. Those are the only ones that came up for DS during that those errors. Uh the only newest one, but we weren't in high school when it came out was the uh uh Link Between Two Worlds. Fat, yeah,
1: Hourglass, Phantom Hourglass.
2: Yeah. That wasn't really like a blockbuster game. I don't think anyone really played it.
1: Really? Because I can't remember like, I played it. Pretty... I, I'm sure it's all the played loyalists
0: it. played it. I mean I certainly did, but yeah, I wouldn't call that a runaway on there.
1: No, I I will go. Maybe I'm just crazy.
0: Well, but I would kind of agree. uh, And like point of here, because well, well, something like Spirit Train
2: Train was like actually a lot of people didn't hated that one. Like they complained about Spirit Trains and Hourglass. I think was just a it wasn't a success, but wasn't a failure. It was just a game came out and they're like okay, and then people played it, and I think it was a little gimmicky. Because it had all the touch features on it, and that was the point. But other than that, I don't think it really was like the best one ever. I don't think I, I don't think
0: anyone ever said that.
1: No, I, I suspect probably but I, not. But I personally like. I remember you and me both saying, "Oh, this is the best Zelda at that time, to- at, at yet." And then, of course, but that's the. I've never said. That. I don't know. I, I I thought maybe we did. I don't know. Maybe I'm. I don't it think you owned it. I think t- I was the only one that owned it. I own it. I have it sit. I have it sitting in my house, back at my at my parents' house. Okay. I played it all the way to the be- to the end.
2: I don't remember. You ever- I remember playing it. And I don't remember you ever having it. So whenever you I had
1: it. it. I had it. Okay. I bought no. it after you did because I watched you play. I'm like, ooh, this seems cool.
2: Yeah. No, I was just a game. I didn't think. I was indifferent to it. It was a Zelda game. You dungeon crawled. had the touch options you could touch you could like write on your maps and that was the point it was like it's got a map and then you can use your touch screen to write helpful clues and hints on the map and i was like okay that's about it and yeah uh it was kind of indifferent and it was like the sequel to wind waker
1: yeah wind waker
2: yeah because it had like a little
1: blurb at the beginning
2: no, I had a little blurb at the beginning uh, telling you what happened in Wind Waker if you didn't play that game. And I didn't play that game, so I didn't know what was going on. I was like, okay, I guess I'm, this is a sequel. And uh, yeah, but like, and the sequel of that one is Spirit Train. And Spirit Train did poorly, actually. Poorly? I think it was received I, poorly. I, it was received poorly. A lot I, of people... I'm
0: looking it up here. I, I want to say it was more of a lukewarm reception, but it definitely wasn't up to the standard of uh wind waker which i know fans were kind of either hot or cold to when it first came out but uh its re-release was really well received on there it's got a great metacritic score on there all the uh game reviewers really liked it though i won't call it the best legend of zelda i would go and make the point it is one of the better ones that's out there so when you went and had something like that that definitely was loved by a lot of people and then you had just kind of the eh game that was spirit tracks I, I don't blame them for kind of feeling that way especially since they made full use of the full 3d controls in wind waker uh ocarina of time which was uh you know regarded as being the best ge- or best zelda to ever come out at that time
2: yeah uh, yeah wasn't see, able it's to, like yeah it wasn't his... able
0: to utilize that system the way that wind waker did and then spirit tracks big step backwards
2: yeah and like i remember them talking about spirit tracks and it came out and it was uh um the guy who directed and produced that one i was like well i ride on trains every day i thought people would enjoy that and I was like most people are like i have nothing to do with trains why 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 do i care about this game and but in japan you're on train a lot because you're on the they're on the uh subway and the sky trains and the bullet trains all the time so it's very common in japan but in north america it was just like eh, we trains are unrelatable um but no yeah because like that's that's it uh ocarina of time and more i have
1: never heard of spirit train i guess that makes sense then
2: okay uh anyways uh ocarina of time and majora's mask were always like i would see were held as the best zelda games that everyone would have played or be very passionate about because you're either passionate about one or the other
1: um link to the past was another big one
0: a Link of the Past, I would still say, probably has the largest number of people I think that that was the best game, because that that one's story. God damn, they have not made one that's been that...
2: Maybe they're not the loudest, over. then. Maybe, that, maybe I it's would point,
0: I would say they're definitely not the loudest at this point, but, I, I don't know, I just remember there being uh, God, around the time that uh, Skyward Sword came out, uh, there was a poll that Game Informer ran, and you could tell because the following month there was only like a little blurb about it uh, with how the voting went and came out. But A Link to the Past ended up going and beating at like a two to one margin over Ocarina of Time. And it's like, that's the one that everybody talks about as being the best. And I've,
2: think- I've always heard is Ocarina and or Majora's Mask. Like,
0: yeah, I, I think I, that's
2: yeah. if I've ever talked to anyone. It's just like either Ocarina or Majora's Mask. That's the two yeah. that everyone. Well,
0: and Personally, I mean, that's more the direction I would go. Uh, and I think for two very different reasons, because uh, Ocarina of Time definitely had more of the technical dynamics down. Like that one was a whole different kind of, at the time, visionary gameplay experience. And then you had Majora's Mask that came out, and that one just managed to go and marry most of those mechanics. Some stuff cut just because it didn't fit the way of the gameplay or the way that the story was matching up, how you would want to do the gameplay on there with what I would argue is a better story. So I I get where people come both ways on that one there. And I would personally argue that I think that they're the better ones putting into or putting into account the context of the time. But I don't know. I needless to say, I'm a big Zelda fan. So I've played most of the games that have come out and it's like, Oh, there's that's one game franchise. You can definitely tell that with the exception of the stuff that they've had, third parties go and develop for them. Nintendo has done a great job when it comes to quality control on those games because dang, they go, they just keep going and outdoing themselves.
2: Yeah. So yeah, there you go. Like, I guess, I guess Ocarina, a link between uh link, link to a past Is link
0: to a past link to the past.
2: Yeah. Link to the past and Majora's see Majora's Mask. I always thought it was like, yeah, that was like the dark one. That one had yeah. very dark <laughs> undertones. Um, those they're good, they're good for their own reasons, and then that makes the people that like them for those reasons say they're the best ones, but then that becomes very personal to whoever preferences they watch it. But saying all that, how much I've heard about people talking about Breath of the Wild, how much they're liking it, and like I'm hearing it just from basically everyone. Like, I it, it seems like Breath of the Wild has all of a sudden outdone everything
0: i i will say because i just recently finished it uh and yeah i'm way behind internet i'm sorry about this i'm just getting there now
2: i don't even have a switch so i can't even say anything yeah it's
0: as can't i it it is from a technical perspective the best (laughs) zelda game ever released like this is and i say this across all game types across all game genres Breath of the Wild is a masterpiece. It is everything that is right in a video game. It is one that throws you into it, and it is challenging and difficult. And as time goes along, the things that were challenging and difficult become easier as you get better with the game, but they keep throwing new things at you to keep it challenging all the way through. The dimension that they go and give to the gameplay is fantastic. It just... Every time you think that it's hit a high note, it continues to go and move farther. Just the same way it did when I was playing the N64 and I'm going and playing Ocarina of Time. Just, it continues to impress all the way through. It is a masterpiece. And probably, probably will go and take the mantle of the best Legend of Zelda game once, you know, the hype dies down and the final DLC is released this holiday season. It probably will take that title. But... God, knowing the way that they make these Zelda games, the next one's probably going to be just as good if not better. It's one of the few game franchises that while I can't say they do no wrong, clearly they do. Dang. They come close. <laughs> they they almost can't do any wrong. But then there's the Sega CDi stuff and then you remember, "Oh right. Yeah. Yeah, they can still fuck it up."
2: Yeah. Well, there's there's still a uh, uh again, um skyward sword that had a terrible um terrible what's the word i'm looking for it starts with an "r." reception reception yes yeah that one had a that... bad reception and same with skyward train skyward train
0: no skyward no no spirit, uh, spirit spirit train. tracks yeah
2: spirit tracks no, although sword. i just get skyward <laughs> yeah, all the time it, it, it's skyward okay train, it's just yeah. vertical although,
0: i gotta say i am so sad for skyward sword Because, honestly, if it wasn't for that one-to-one gameplay mechanic on there, I would make the argument that that would be the best Zelda game of all time. Because the story is great, the gameplay is varied, and it's just easy to go and jump into and digest outside of that damn motion control system.
1: It's like, guys, it came so close. What about uh, uh, Twilight Twilight Princess? Princess. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Twilight Princess. really
0: really really good game not going to go and say that there's anything wrong with it but it didn't really innovate a lot of it it, that was that was a graphics thing
2: that one compared to all the other ones that one had like an increase in graphics so at the time that was an important thing to have really good graphics and it, it looks great like when you look at that that's the link that you know now when you look at things like smash bros it's the twilight link where all of a sudden he went from uh very bright neon green clothes and white leotards to all of a sudden he had like a more earthy organic look to him uh whereas he had chainmail his greens were duller more dirtier his leotard wasn't that super bright white it was like a more of a linen color so that's the one where it, like jump from the cartoony really bright colors to like a graphical uh we can make link look actually real kind of thing so i think that's where that's where they're going for with um twilight princess uh whereas more i i, I want to say the words gritty and real but like even then it wasn't it was i Legend it was, of Zelda's version of gritty and real.
0: It, it was definitely a more dynamic art style. I, that's about the best way that I can go and put it, because you can definitely tell that there was more work and detail put into it. Kind of like like Final Fantasy XII, for example. Uh, they went and took it away from the more cartoonish elements of some of the previous games, and a lot of these smooth lines and textures of like Final Fantasy X before that uh, decided to make something that looked more gritty, more real, very dynamic. Uh, more fleshed out, organic looking world. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, that that doesn't necessarily mean that it was that improved. I mean, it that one I think suffered for two reasons. Um, and I say this as a big fan of the game. I owned both releases of it. I still have the original Wii one that I got on day one release of the Wii because I was I, totally I've into got that. The Wii one
2: I've got. I yeah, I have the Wii one. I liked it. It was originally on. Game... Did it come out GameCube and Wii at the same time?
0: It did. It came out the exact same day. That's what it was, yes. Yeah, both of them were released at the same time. Originally, it was going to be a GameCube uh, exclusive and then when they decided, okay, we've announced the revolution and we're saying that we're going to have a Zelda launch title day one. I mean, that was a no questions asked deal. They decided instead of making a new one, it made more sense just to Uh, go and port that over and go and have it there with a slight uh, technical advantage on there. Cause even though the Wii was a standard definition gaming console, it did have a lot more processing power than what it needed for that kind of application. And they were able to bring out more of its graphics capabilities versus the GameCube one. But that being said, they also, I think nerfed in some respects the game because They were trying to make it more of a technical demonstration of what the Wii was capable of. Yes. That was a really big deal for them. So I think that they changed a lot of things, and it just ended up becoming... And I say this actually as a compliment. It was just a more refined version of the gameplay mechanics from Wind Waker and applied to a whole different user interface. And I would actually make the argument it did it very well. I really don't have I don't have any complaints about the interface there. It's not it's not like Skyward Sword where it's like, this should be the greatest Legend of Zelda game. This should be the one that everybody talks about and plays. But even with that one to one Wii Motion Plus control edition on there, it did not work the way that it needed to. It was competent, but not up to the standard that we expect, especially considering on how well things were with you know, Twilight Princess.
2: Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I I I totally agree with that. Like Twilight Princess, it did feel it had the gimmicky things that came with the Wii, uh, with the whole motion control. So it did have like the kind of technical um, demonstration parts, where it's like you can whip your Wii U a motor around to like slash your sword or use it to target. And I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, but you could, but you could just play it as a controller. And like I played the whole game through on the Wii, and I liked it. Like, I I like the game. It was definitely more of the darker, grittier side. Um, And it made they tried to make Link look real, not a uh, kind of a cartoony character. Um, So, yeah. And that's that's where it's like trying to really. uh, Trying to think of the correct words to use with that. But, yeah, it's just like make things look. I keep wanting to say gritty, but I don't think gritty is the right word when you think it's gritty it makes it really really dark but it was slightly grittier than what it was it wasn't dark macabre humor like Majora's Mask it was just sort of a darker reality of like this is what life is like where things are pretty you got trees things look more real it's not all super polygon and bright colors it's like this it is was just what
0: more realistic,
2: yeah. Yeah, that's that's exactly what it is. They try to make it realistic because, like, when I look at the link from Twilight Princess, if I see someone trying to like cosplay, that's the one they're gonna cosplay from. Like, they don't even that's just what he looks like now. Like, that's uh, what the link that well, even in Breath of the Wild, they kind of popped up the colors a little bit. He's more cell shaded in though, in that one, uh, yeah, he's way more yeah. cell shaded in that one. In yeah cuz in Twilight Princess he's he a lot more realistic colors. So if you see someone who's cosplaying Link who has the dark green tunic and like the kind of dirty linen uh tights and chainmail on, that's a Twilight Princess one. Like that's kind of what he looked like in that. He looked like a medieval character, like how an actual character in medieval times would look with dirty and washed out colored clothes cuz they didn't have dyes back then. It was all very gritty and dirty and medieval times. So that's kind of what they went for. Just happened to have pointy ears, I guess. He was an elf. So yeah. And that uh, that's why I like Twilight Princess. It really it went it kind of redefined it. It definitely redefined what Link looks like. Cuz now when I think of Link, when everyone does uh, fan art of Link or something like that, it's going to be they try. They sort of do it the way the Twilight Princess first imagined him, and that's kind of what they picture Link to be right now.
1: I also see a bunch of Toon Link, though.
2: That's a different timeline. Toon Link. Okay, so I don't.
0: Let's not get into that. There's... Yeah, no. Let's let's go and save the Zelda timeline discussion for another damn day. Because oh my god.
1: Yeah, no, that's... I know, but no. What I mean is that when when you're when I see people drawing Link, it's either Toon Link or. Like Tyler says, it's Twilight Link
2: because those are two different links. They're, like, like again, that is those are different timelines. So there is Toon Link, there is because Toon Link has to go with Wind Waker, uh, has to go with Spirit Train, Spirit Tracks, Phantom Hourglass, Wind Waker, Skyward Sword. That's all Toon Link. And then you got life, real life Link because uh, they, they had that in Smash Bros. Then you have uh, Dead Link. In the world where Link wasn't even died and failed. And that's where... Yeah, no, 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 no. no, no. Stop, stop. Yeah, stop. We're not going down there. We're talking too much Zelda now.
0: Stop, stop, please.
2: But yes, there are multiple Links. Because there are multiple worlds. Yep. Okay, we're good then. Okay. That's what happens with time travel. You fuck shit up.
0: Yep. How the hell did we get here?
2: Oh, uh, we uh, talked about the Switch. We, we and, somehow, somehow and talked we made about it. Breath of the Wild being the best Zelda game so far.
0: Uh, and, like, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say it is. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a big deal. Yeah. It, it really is a big deal because. Actually, that's really interesting
2: because these are all third party IPs and that, like, that never really happened a whole
0: lot before. It's such a weird thing with Nintendo because. So they used to be the kings of that stuff, and it was just about that Nintendo seal of quality. You know, that was the big thing uh, for their stuff, because they had a ton of third parties that recorded for the original NES, the Super NES. I mean, that that was almost nothing but third party games. Like, there were some first party pieces for Nintendo, but that was the one where licensed gaming took off again. Uh, Because, you know, the video game crash basically had eliminated most of that stuff. And then the NES started to go and revive the industry and you had Sega getting into it. and They really produced a lot of first party stuff. Like that's something Sega really doesn't get enough credit for. They were really the first party game company for a long period of time. They didn't have a lot of third party stuff that came to their console. That was something that Nintendo did much better. Then the N64 came out and it did have a lot of third party support. But Nintendo became very, what's the word I'm looking for here, very close-minded when it came to third-party hardware development, uh, particularly with the cartridges. That was something they wanted to go and control themselves, and that put off a lot of people, especially with Sony now getting into the game and with their disc-based formats and allowing for third-party developers to go and produce their own CDs at the time. That really affected the market and got a lot of third parties to go over to them. Then the GameCube came out, and Nintendo did a very poor job of courting third parties to that one. There still were a lot of games that came out, but very limited overall. Then they announced the Revolution is coming. They show off the controllers to all these third parties uh, before they ever announce the Wiimote or anything like that, and everybody goes apeshit. Like, the Wii's launch had the biggest catalog of titles for any launch or launch day console. They had 37 titles that were released, and only six of them were first parties. It was a huge release. And the first about year and a half of the Wii was huge. And then they just expected people to keep wanting to develop for it, and didn't continue to court them. They didn't make them feel special. That's where they started to make the mistake. And then the Wii U. And they're like, we have come up with this whole new concept for how to play games. See. But they didn't I, court anybody to go and develop the games they needed them to.
2: They bar- With the Wii U, they barely even said that it was a new console. They came out the Wii U and they're like, oh, people will buy it. We don't even need to tell them it's a new console. I, I don't think everyone actually knew it was a new console. They were like... The Wii U came out and it's like, okay, it's the Wii U, so it's like an updated version of the Wii, like you get the Xbox S, but people were but then all of a sudden it's like, no, it's it's a new completely different console. And like, well, why why the fuck did Nintendo not say that? Not like actually tell people it was a new console. Yeah. And they, that they... was
0: a big <laughs> problem right there. Yeah, no. I mean they at every level they screwed up with the Wii U. Like, even the virtual boy, I can't consider to be a total failure because at least with the virtual boy there was an attempt it was an experiment that didn't work out the wii u was something where they went and thought this was going to be the future dual screens was in and even sony and microsoft actually thought that this was going to be a real contender because they both went and announced their con heard their systems you know with the uh, Vita, which was already out at the time, but they announced a software update that would allow you to do a, to have a dual-screen experience with the PlayStation 3 and eventually the PlayStation 4 when it came out. Microsoft went and announced their, uh, what was it, Smart Glass, which wasn't really so much for gaming, but it was supposed to give you a second-screen experience. And then the Wii U comes out, and they don't even have their own first-party games that are utilizing that second screen the way that they said they were going to. They had a great concept. But because they didn't market it to anybody, they didn't try to get any third-party developers in on it. We got fucking shit for it. I'm sorry if I sound a little bit angry, but it's like,
2: no, uh, no, it's it. It's, it was a mess, and they had really nothing for it. and they had. Fuck! What was it? what was the name of it? It was a Mario game. Mario Maker. No. New Super oh, Mario, new yeah, Super, new Mario, Super
0: Mario for Wii U.
2: <laughs> yeah, that was that had the second screen kind of thing going on, but other than that, I can't think of anything. And then Mario Maker, Mario Maker, I is the only thing I think that actually really got some ground on that console. Uh,
0: they, there were three games that came out that did go and qualify oh, as successful releases. Yeah, you had Splatoon. You had Mario Maker. And What's yeah, I mean, you can make yeah, th- this is one that I kind of don't consider to be a real success because it's just a re-release, but it did legitimately increase sales, so it does need to be brought up. You still
2: have to say it. Come on. yeah, You're just <laughs> dancing around the point. Stop beating the bush. Stop teasing me. Give me the whole, <laughs> not the
0: It's Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess. <laughs> oh yeah, shit, that's right. It did come out. Man. I totally forgot. See,
2: so I was thinking, I was thinking later. I was like, I know there was an HD remake of that one because they did Ocarina of Time, they did Majora's Mask, they did Twilight Princess, and I was like thinking there was an HD remix. And I was like, but the game came out on GameCube and Wii. I was like, was the Wii an HD remix? I don't remember that being a thing back then or anything like that happening. So yeah, this is this is where the HD remix is. Like I knew yeah. it happened, I just yeah. can not remember where.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean it's. I'm actually looking at the sales numbers, and actually there's four, but this is almost worse because one of them was bundled with the console, and it was the first real console sales month that they showed a solid increase sales. Oh, that's like, it's it's the one I own too.
2: That's the yeah. Legend
0: of Zelda Wind Waker bundle. Yeah, (laughs) that's
2: that's the thing. That's why Wii Sports is still the best selling game ever. Like you think what's the best selling game? It's Wii Sports because every single Wii came with Wii Sports and it's technically a game. So it is the best selling game ever because everyone bought a
0: Wii. Yep.
1: And you have yeah, to admit Google. it's probably one of the more 55. most pl- more played ones. Considering I I don't even remember how many times me and Tyler just f- did s- played that game. <laughs> what we uh, we sports? Yeah, yeah we sports.
2: No, we played Smash Smash Bros
0: way more than we sports. Yeah. Oh
1: yeah. yeah.
0: But but Cole probably has a point there because and this is something you would only know if you lived where I used to. Up in Squibb, Washington, lovely little place called Squibb, Washington. Seriously recommend you go and visit there. The Lavender Festival. It's an is actual wonderful. place. Yes. It's an actual place. Yes,
2: yes. yes, it's an actual place. That's what he's saying. Go there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Come on, uh, Cole. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a wonderful place, but it's the oldest median age in Washington state. It's the third oldest median age in the United States. It's like the fifth oldest median age in the entire world. So there are a lot of retirees around there. Do you know what the biggest, uh, the biggest year for that local GameStop was?
1: When Wii Fit came out,
0: exactly. It was two thousand and seven when Wii yeah. Fit Quentin came out, God damn, every don't... one of the, every one of the rehab clinics was going and buying at least a Wii or at least one Wii and Wii balancing board. They were going and buying into that stuff heavy. It was a massive hit in the physical rehabilitation field. Like, I have no idea what that thing actually did for gamers and casual gamers that were going and buying the Wii for various reasons. I don't know if that stuff sold to anybody. But goddammit, the GameStop in Squim, Washington, won multiple awards for biggest increase in sales, best year ever in the company, and it was all because of the goddamn Wii and the balancing (laughs) board.
2: It was that was that was a like that was a thing. Like, I can remember all of a sudden when that came out, just tons of people would go buy a Wii and a balancing board just to do it as like an exercise thing. And they weren't even they weren't even gaming people, they just it was. Didn't something
1: your mom out. used to own one, Tyler? No, my mom never owned one. No, no, okay. I'm trying, I'm thinking of a different one of our friends. Sure, why not?
2: Um, my fam, I had. Friends of the family had one and it was just like you sort of just saw it. Tons of people had a Wii and a bouncing board. And it was it was just a common occurrence thing. You, you walk in the house and you see a Wii and like, okay, there's a Wii there. Just everyone has one now. It's just a thing.
1: And there'd be a Wii fit underneath the
2: couch. Uh I don't know. I was just saw it next to the T V, but hey, whatever. Um, uh, so yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It, it was But that, that year, that with all the E3, they were definitely, that was Nintendo's plan. Sort of backfired with the Wii U, but with the Wii, they're like, gamers are going to buy our games regardless, so let's stop marketing to them and start marketing to everyone else who's not going to buy our game. They said that outright. They're like,
0: yeah. No, they, Yeah, in they, many they, respects, it was a brilliant marketing campaign because they were giving the hardcore gamers just enough to keep them tied it over. And they brought a whole bunch of people to the gaming industry that weren't there beforehand. And I don't know, this is just kind of an assumption of mine, but I know a lot of people whose first game, her, whose first gaming system was a Wii, largely because of the price point, but then how expensive the, uh, Xbox 360, and especially the PS3 were when they first launched. So a lot of people were buying it to the $250 Wii.
2: Yeah, it was significantly cheaper.
0: That's just it. And I do think it actually brought a lot of future gamers to the table. Yeah, I do believe that there is a Wii generation, just like how there was a Nintendo te- generation. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and the, and broken televisions. Uh, yeah, but no, yeah. the the joke. I've always, I know that they always joked about it, especially since they had to put it in. There's it like, make sure you put the wrist straps on. <laughs> I was like, I've, I'm. Joke. Very I don't think anyone really right joked
2: about that. That was
1: a serious thing. I know. I know. But. But I, I, they had that in there, but I honestly was, I'm very honestly trying to figure out, I want to know how many televisions were actually broken like that.
0: I, 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 oh God, I, I don't even know if televisions were necessarily the biggest thing. Like I know a lot of people that managed to go and break windows and stuff like that. Cause remember back in that day, there weren't a ton of high definition televisions when those first came out. It was only around I want to say maybe 15% of the US market at the time was high definition televisions. So a lot of it was still tubes at that time. So I suspect probably not so much that.
2: Um but God,
0: I don't know. I don't know about that. Uh
2: Well like, that nah. that was
0: that was that was Nintendo's cited reason for making the Wii standard definition versus high definition. And it might not have been US households, but It was, hold on, I'm going to look this up here real quick, but that was a big reason why, and it was something that Sony actually had to comment on because they were going and designing, you know, their system around being able to go and do 1080p, and 1080i had not even been uh, brought up in conversation at that point. It's like, okay, we're going and jumping two television generations ahead.
2: See, I kind of agree with that, like, but I feel uh, like around that time, HDMI sort of wasn't a thing yet. So there's some TVs that had it, some didn't. So I agree with that. But I still think people were... It, it should have been higher than 15% that should have had high-definition
0: TVs by then. Because, like, uh, I, think- I am looking this up here. So in 2000 and... Okay. Ah, here we go. Oh, so in... <laughs> 2007, they were going and showing uh, the number of televisions in the United States, or I should say, a number of households in the uh, United States with one high definition television or more was only at 17% at that time. Though, wow. and this is an interesting point, in 2007, they did go and see a 17% increase year over year for high definition television sales. Hold on, I'm looking up when did the HDTV cross the 50% threshold.
2: Yes, that cuz yeah, it must it like it must have been that a very high jump then. Cuz I remember I remember the uh my Xbox 360 Elite didn't even come with HDMI cord or did it? No, it had to come no, with
0: the the original <laughs> Xbox 360 Elite. Did or so to say, the elite was the first one that had an HDMI port on it. Did not yes. come with a cable, ironically. Yeah. The original Xbox 360 and the Xbox 360. I'm trying to remember what they were calling it, but the one that came with the high definition cables and all that stuff, it didn't even support HDMI. It was only component
2: high yeah. definition. Yeah, and like that's that's around the same time that we uh, came out. So yeah, it was it was like all of a sudden because my first TV I bought in 2006 doesn't have HDMI on it.
0: Like, that wasn't a thing then.
1: I still and... remember plugging into the antenna slot. Oh, yeah. you,
0: you want to know something really sad about that? I know this is kind of breaking off, and I'm still trying to figure out when high-definition TVs... Oh, excuse me, took over the marketplace. Uh, anyway, uh, with the uh, plugging into the antenna slot, do you guys want to know what I read the other day? And this is not even something... This is sure. not from some no-name publication. This is from uh, this is from the Associated Press. Do you know what millennials in New York are going and doing now to save money on cable?
1: What they're using? Let me guess. They're using coat hangers.
0: No, I would make the argument. It's even worse. They are quote unquote hacking the television signals that are going out over air by going and using aerial antennas to go and get free television. They're literally going and using broadcast antennas to watch television, and they think that they're hacking the system, that they're getting it for free, and they're going to get caught. Wait, who thinks this? Millennials or baby boomers? New York City Millennials. The most popular item being delivered by Amazon right now are are high-definition aerial antennas for televisions.
2: Yeah, because you can't even use bunny ears anymore because they stopped broadcasting on those, so you got to have a box to decipher everything now.
0: Yeah, or a television that has it built in with a uh, digital receiver on there, no no analog converters and all that stuff because analogs not can broadcast anymore. Nope. But I couldn't believe this article I'm reading where they're talking about... Uh, Millennials in the New York area that are going and doing that, which I think good for them. You know, you're going and getting television access. I feel like
2: you must take that with a grain of salt because I don't know who
0: wrote that. And well, no, no, no. Here's the thing they they back this up. This is from one of the universities here. Like, there's a published study on it. I'll go and link to it later. But uh, the thing that's crazy about it, though, is that uh, when the Associated Press was going and polling uh, people that they went and got in contact for this most of them were concerned that they were breaking some sort of a law they did not realize that that is not only completely legal but it's also subsidized by the state they well, actually thought that it was illegal to go and have or to go and have access to these channels unless they had a cable or satellite subscription ladies and gentlemen the next generation I am terrified for all that's of us. our
2: generation what are you talking about no it's not.
0: That's no. our generation. That's our generation. no no
1: wow. no Oregon Trail definition. Her Oregon trail generation. We're the Oregon Trail generation. Shut up. We're not no.
2: Shut up. You shut up. How old are these guys? You gotta actually tell me how old they are. Because if you're gonna say they're like in their early or late twenties, then they're still around the same time so
0: there's the only
1: th- it, c- it can't be because we were we still had that when we were kids and we still remember that
0: it, it was no, as, we we grew up as in as rural areas we didn't grow up in new york it's her uh the uh thing i was reading i believe they said it was uh college freshmen so we're talking about the 18 19 year olds they might be another generation they might that's not
1: be 19 that's 2000 uh, 1999 2000
2: what, 18? Yeah. 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 2000. They might be a separate generation now. Yeah, they're the millennials. No, technically ours would be the
0: millennials. They'd be something else. But it, it, they still haven't defined what the actual line is. It's a marketing term. It's, it's not...
2: Oh, no, yeah. No, it doesn't matter. The millennial
0: yeah. generation is not really real. It's just a blanket term they're going and using. And they keep going and throwing a larger and larger net into it. Now I'm going and hearing kids that were born in the early 80s are part of that. It's like... Yeah. Okay, guys, you're, you're splitting your yeah. demographics too far. This is not, it's not real. Guess I don't. guess yeah. who's
2: all naming them. It's all baby boomers that are naming everything. The baby boomers named the one before them the greatest generation. The baby boomers named themselves the baby boomers. Then they named the Generation X. Then they named the Generation Y that kind of disappeared. And then they named us millennials. Because most of the baby boomers are having millennials. And it's just like, it's the one generation of yeah, yeah, baby yeah. boomers that are naming everything.
0: Boy, we are skipping whole generations here. Oh, we're, we're not going to have this discussion. We're, we're going to cut generation. off this. We're not
1: having this again. We've had this discussion. Yeah, no, oh, oh we God. always have this discussion. Anyways,
2: yeah. yeah. regardless, <laughs> but- <laughs> yes, Cole, we remember antenna. That's when you go back in time, yes, you can remember things. But we're talking about uh, analog uh, AVT, AV, AV cords. There we go. AV cords and then the jump to HDMI. Where, yes, okay. the Xbox 360s came out with AV, and then they kind of got... You had to get an adapter for HDMI. And then the Elites already have the adapter
0: with it. Okay, so I did go and find where the 50% threshold was crossed. At least for here in the United States. I don't know about Canada. It might have been different for you guys, but I suspect it's it probably pretty different. close. Yeah. So we actually only crossed the 50% threshold uh, in 2009, and the biggest reason because that one had a 50% That's increase. Only three years, it's only three years. But when you think about it, it's kind of an interesting thing. The reason why it's attributed to them increasing so much because the previous year uh, it was only around a uh, 31%. The reason on why in 2009 the big sales increased on there was because of the shutoff from analog television signals over to digital. A larger number of customers ended up, instead of getting the uh, federally supplemented digital converter boxes, ended up just going and buying new high definition TVs. Yeah, I can see that. That makes a lot of sense. sense. That that's what actually caused this to go and happen because it was only after the February seventeenth deadline, the high definition sale or high definition TV sales managed to go and eclipse regular standard definition television sales in the entire marketplace. So there were still people buying standard definition televisions at that point.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That no, like that makes lots of sense. As soon as like you get basically it's the stragglers. The stragglers that don't want to change until change is forced upon them, at which point they may as well just go into the new era. Because if they're gonna have to get something new, they're gonna have to get whatever is out now. Uh they can't just go find something that's above theirs because whatever is slightly above theirs is already three years old that you're not going to find in a store or something. You're going to have to go out of your way to find, and that's hard to do. So they have to go to whatever's new now and get what it is. And so, yeah, yeah, that, that makes tons of sense where it's like all of a sudden what's ever behind just when you can have that defined line of standard to high def and you can just cut it, cut that, cut that, string cut cut those ties everyone that's back there is like okay well I guess we just jump to the new one everyone jump ship because it's no ship there to stand on anymore and boom so no I I'm, that I agree with that that makes tons and tons of sense uh, because cable is way more influential than
0: video games so yeah that yeah. happened <laughs>
2: Well, still, well, cable cable is not as influential nowadays.
0: I, it's going to be. I mean, yes and no, because it's still where you yes get where, where no. do you get your IP from? You know, <laughs> that's true. Um, but, but yeah, the actual channels don't. Well, as much. no. Yeah.
2: Well, shit. That That's. Oh, oh. Think of how many shows Netflix has now. So that question is, where do you get your IPs from? Actually, is sort of different now. Where do I get my
0: IPs from? Internet protocol.
2: Uh, I guess is that, but that's not. It's not cable. It's it's different. Big cable companies, yes. (laughs) What the?
1: uh... It depends on where you you get your internet from.
2: But they're not. Well, what do I have? I, I guess I do have Shaw, and that is a cable company. So they're jumping. They're jumping ship from their cable to their. Yeah, but I'm talking about cable channels and cable shows that way.
0: Oh, okay, okay. That's that's what you mean by that. Okay, because yeah. it's like because cable still has. I would actually argue cable has now more power than they've ever had before, just not on the television broadcast side.
2: Yeah, but I'm talking about like broadcasting television channels. They're losing what they had, um, and then when
0: I think of like IPs, I'm thinking. Uh, you're thinking uh, of intellectual property. Sorry, I should have made myself more clear on that. Okay, that yeah, you're talking.
2: Tale. Yeah, so okay, uh, yeah, because you're talking. Uh, yeah, internet. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm talking but, uh, where
0: you're getting your signal from. You're yeah. going to talking about what I, you're I, I, watching.
2: Yeah, I guess I'm. I guess technically we are getting internet from cable companies. They at like at what point are they not going to be considered cable companies anymore? They're going to be considered internet companies, or yeah, yeah, because they're not. You can get. Phone, cable, television from them, but a lot of people don't really get television. They get internet from them because for intellectual properties that you go watch television to watch TVs on or TVs TV shows, Netflix has so many of their own shows. Hulu has their own stuff. Amazon has their own stuff. And intellectual properties that you watch on TV, right now, the only thing that actually is on TV that I go out of my way to watch would be on HBO. And oh, HBO need to figure out what they what they're doing because if they if they're if HBO go if you didn't have to have a subscription to the actual cable channel and you could just get like a subscription to their go the way you do Netflix or Hulu or an Amazon, I feel uh, technically probably be making less money because you'd have to do one to go the other, and they're like you're gonna buy it anyways. So, because it's fucking HBO and they have good shows, because people got to get their Game of Thrones, people gotta get their Westworld.
0: Well, and yeah. their big concern with that stuff is that it, the problem. If you go over to that kind of thing, and this is the reason why HBO has not gone this way yet. Um, although I know a lot of people are still confused about this, anyway. So I'm, then I'm not, not going to have that discussion. I'm not going to yeah, go there. It but make it, it
2: way easier for people to buy. Just go buy HBO on demand. And have like an online account and not have to buy a channel.
0: It it definitely would. But the problem that you'd run into is that HBO, even though you're going and paying, you know, in most cases, you're actually paying less going and getting as part of your cable package than you are, than you would be going and just going and say, uh, going and throwing 10 bucks out a month to go and do uh, or to go and get it by itself as part of Go. Then yeah. they're also going and losing the ridiculous amount of money they get from most of the major cable companies as well to go and keep carrying them as a premium. Because mm. HBO makes money from you, and they make money from the cable companies. You go and cut, ca- or you go and cut the cable companies out of there. HBO goes and makes a third of what they would going and having yeah. every one of their subscribers just going and paying directly. So either you need to That's triple exactly the price I mean. of it, which people wouldn't go and do. Let's be honest here. Yeah, Maybe they'd go and do that for like one month and then go and cancel it once they've gotten caught up with the current season, but that's not sustainable. Eventually, we'll go that route, but for right now, it's just not a sustainable model and that's why they haven't done it. It's also the reason why I think that CBS is going and committing suicide right now because it's like, oh, we're going to go and take access to all of our stuff off of everybody's access and we're just going to go and charge them for our own streaming service. It's like, well, guys, you... um. You pissed off everybody at the cable companies. And nobody wants to go and buy your $8 a month to go and watch nothing but their shows. Because really, how many seasons of Two Broke Girls can somebody really stand before they just want to kill themselves?
2: Well, isn't HBO On Demand
0: or HBO Go free with a... It's free with your cable subscription, yes. Yeah. Yeah, which makes perfect sense right there. And it definitely does increase access, and there's more potential for... You know, somebody to go and like I I go and give my uh, my login information over to my brother and his girlfriend so they can go and watch the stuff, because uh, it's easier for them and you know they're they're both uh, teachers so they're not making a ton of money on there, even though in their minds they're losing access to a person there. The word of mouth is on what goes and sells a lot of their shows. The Sopranos would not be as big of a hit and would not be the biggest thing or you know the finale would not be their most watched program ever if it was not for the word of mouth that came along with that deadwood another huge hit for the same reason sex in the city that word of mouth works for them even if they're going and losing you know to what we used to have viewing parties you know back when it was just on cable and you didn't have on demand access it's now the same sure. thing Age, Game of Thrones still has viewing parties. That's a thing. Exactly. Yeah, no, that's just it. It works out well for them because it sells everything else they want to do with it. Because HBO, if they're good at one thing outside of making shows, it's merchandising. They know how to make money off of every other oh
2: thing. god, yeah, they should... They can merchandise all the. See, yeah, if they just made theirs like an on-demand service, they'd get a third of the dollars, but like, god, merchandising.
0: I I think eventually it could work, but I think it's going to be another five to ten years before that's a realistic capability on there. Because they have to find alternative revenue streams to come in outside of what they've got right now. HBO would definitely be the most easily suited to do that. But I think ultimately it's going to take a little while before you really get that going. But I do already see that happening just with what they have available, particularly to Hulu and Amazon Prime. Because they've got a lot of their old shows, you know, their uh award-winning, highly accredited stuff on there, and you know that they are paying a fortune for it. The fact that I can watch all of Boardwalk Empire, which by the way, if you have not seen Boardwalk Empire, folks, you need to go and see it. Steve Buscemi. Mm. Yeah, I was about got... to say Steve Buscemi. Yeah, that's exactly. It's just eyes. oh too too good. Too damn good. But you can watch all of that with your 798 Amazon Prime uh, video subscription, or if you have Amazon Prime, your free video subscription.
2: Or you be Canadian and you just not be able to have access to it at all. So you gotta
0: be a Saskatchewan pirate. Is that actually a thing for you guys? Like, I, I never had thought about that not being available to you.
2: Lots of things we just don't have access to. There, it, The, uh... Because of the
0: Canadian broadcasting thing where it has to go and be like twenty percent Canadian uh or Canadian developer. Like
2: a like it's it's a weird uh broadcast sort of like trades deal stuff. That's why like Netflix we had we have way more than we did before, but we had like a third to a quarter of what you guys had. And so Changing your IP to an American address to get American Netflix was a very big thing. Sort of kind of, it's not as much as it used to be, uh, but that was a very big thing. Like, there was a lot of stuff that just couldn't come to Canada and we just don't have access to because it's, it has to do with, we're a different country. So you have to go through proper, um, uh, production, not production, producing, producing, uh, Pro- <laughs> production lines yeah paperwork not paperwork um but hold on like like that's why like like uh disney um like a lot of like the uh studio ghibli stuff is produced by disney in north america it's because they had to go through another company to get there and like sure our countries are right beside each other but we're still two different countries so anything american stuff has to go through a canadian sort of uh distributor that's the word i'm looking for uh so it has to go through, it's like a different distributor and lots of times it just doesn't, it, there's just lots of bureaucratical work and then we just don't
1: get stuff. So And right at the top is CBC.
0: <laughs> you see, I just <laughs> I know we've had this discussion before, but I'm just never going to forget I was in Canada for like two days on a business thing and I found a classic rock station on the radio. it's like, oh, this is good. And then it was like every 20 or so minutes, it would go and cut from classic rock, and it would go and switch over to like an Anne Murray song or something like that. It's just like, what the hell is going on with this? And that's where I first got exposed to uh, how a lot of your broadcast stuff is restricted to going and requiring a minimum amount of Canadian-produced material for any imported material. It's like,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah, like, I know oh, this hi, one hi. Of, I I know this one in particular just because I've I have the education and I had to learn all this stuff. It's kind of weird, but it's more just kind of to pr- promote the like all the the bands that come from here. And it's because there's so much that comes out of the states and they and I don't know, just, it's just such a huge powerhouse when it comes to music and and production qualities and stuff like that where they don't want to drown out anything that is local. It's the same way, like, for, I'm assuming, for, like, things like Korea, for example. Like, they, there's a reason that Psy became huge is because they put his song on the internet. Like, that's the main reason that thing got big. It's because then it it got outside of Korea. Yeah, it became viral.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's, uh... I've, I've told you this before. You Americans, your best export is your culture. Everyone knows about American culture and that's why those laws are in place because all of a sudden the radios were playing nothing but American music and the uh, government was afraid that American culture would encompass Canadian culture so they put all those laws into place to protect Canadian culture Uh, music was the big one, television is another so that for every percentage of American music that's played, you have to have this much Canadian music played instead. So, yeah. And it's just protect the culture. Because if they didn't, then we wouldn't have Canadian music. It would be all just American played on the radio all the time.
0: And I totally get that. I I do feel like it's a little bit absurd now with access to the internet with how easy it is to go and pirate this stuff and YouTube and all that. But
1: Yes, but this is also like radio. (laughs) <laughs>
0: I, I know difference. I I know, but I mean come on, that came around in the nineteen seventies. It's it's two thousand seventeen. Yeah, I, yeah.
2: I, and there are a whole lot more Canadian artists than there were before. And that's just I, you come can kind of almost atone that to that, but like why change why 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 fix something that isn't broken? It's not like people if they want to go out of the way to find music, they can, but if you want to listen to the radio and you're going to get a percentage of Canadian music on it, if you live in Canada and it doesn't hurt you, doesn't change anything. So why fix something that ain't broke?
0: And I won't really argue that so much. It's more in the case of that one particular circumstance. It's like that was in 2014 that I made that trip and was continually interrupted with my nice classic rock with Anne Murray of all people. It's like, okay, guys, I number one, that's not classic rock. Number two you do have a couple of people that can at least go and do some rock. I mean, I don't even know I, what
2: station you listen to. It sounds I, like I, you're I, to to as a shitty station to begin with.
1: It probably uh, that, it was a Vancouver station, from the sounds of it. Oh, okay. it. It
0: definitely was a Vancouver station. I can go and tell you that much. But Vancouver like, has
1: about twelve radio stations or more, if I remember correctly. It's all the amount of radio stations per city is is always debated. Is always done by amount of people that live there. Um, that's why we have. Four uh, now? Do we have four now? I think. I don't even I don't even listen four to it. Four or five. Well we have five actually. The, the
2: only five. radio I've listened to but, in the longest time is CBC Two or The Bear, which is from Edmonton. That's the same.
0: Can I can I get can I get some like some Jenny Galt or some Avril Levine at least? You know, I have a huge Avril Lavigne? Avril Yeah, you get Avril Levine on the radio. God. Yeah, I'm You're just like, that this we is more a being, lot. It's just more me making a joke about, you know, Anne Marie. <laughs> I don't know. I you were just listening to a shitty radio. It sounds like you just listened
2: to a shitty radio. That's all <laughs> that's all I'm hearing. That's what I'm hearing right now.
1: I'm hearing the same.
2: Uh, like, you just named a what's... bunch of people that like I hear on the radio all the time. It's like, come on now. It's I, like you want some headstones, we got some headstones. You want some Sum forty one? We got some some forty one. You want some uh God, what are the some other those bands that are always just
0: playing on there? I uh like I said, could I get some of that instead of Anne-Marie? It seems like one every time sun. I drive up one into Canada. Sun. Uh, yeah. One <laughs> Bad
2: Son, that's another one, isn't it? Um, they shot a movie once in my hometown. Who is that? That's one. Which, which band is that one? Uh, everyone was in it from miles around. Come on, Cole. I thought I, you were educated.
0: I have no idea what the hell is going on here now.
2: <laughs> I'm I'm just singing Canadian songs now. So, Bachman Turner Overdrive. How was some of that? Huh? That's yeah. tragically hip. Tragically hip. That's what I was thinking of. God, so much tragically hip.
0: Well, turn so down. much tragically. Well, hip. Why, why don't you turn down the game, go and sing us out? And I'm going to do the outro now because I feel like we have hit every possible point we can. We have gotten a ton of random Canadian facts. I'm sure the entirety of the audience now. What about is the, guess just correct. the
2: Guess Who? The Guess Who? They play that quite a bit. Oh, are they Canadian? Very naked Ladies. The Guess Who are
0: Canadian, yes. I did not know that. I knew BNL was, but I, I didn't know that about the. The guess who? Huh. Aren't they like part of the half the same half the same band members? <laughs>
2: I, I shot a movie once in my hometown. Everybody was in it for miles around. Out at the speedway some kings of Ellis things. Well I ain't no movie stuff, but I can get behind anything. Do, 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 do. Yeah I can get behind anything. This is where the guitar picks up. Get out, get on out, yeah, stretch that thing. Make it last, make it last, at least until supper bell rings. Well, the taxi driver lets his rhythm, uh, lets
0: the Lakers stop. Thank you all once again for joining us here, here on direction. Zio, a Soccer Rangers podcast, Sometimes as Tyler thinks us out with his smooth tunes. Remember, go and check us out on iTunes. You can also check us out on Don't Google Play Music,
2: remember,
0: the Legacy Archives it's on it's SoundCloud. Me. We are on Facebook, YouTube, go. Twitter, Instagram. I don't. We're everywhere. I don't. And coming soon, Twitch. When? We're not sure yet, but eventually. But thank you so much for listening. Air having a lot of fun here with Zeo. This has been a great season so far. We're really happy to be back on all the social media platforms, all of the audio platforms again. And we can't wait to show you guys what's coming up in October. Uh, we're finally launching some of the things we've been talking about forever. So, Thank you very much for listening. We are back every Monday with new podcasts. Don't forget to go and check out Tyler's Anime Book Club, which will now have three episodes up and more soon to come. Thank you very much, everybody. Have a great night. Bye now, Tyler. Sing us out. Yeah. Bye everyone.
2: I can get behind anything. I can get behind anything. I can get behind anything.
0: And hey, everybody. Don't think that we went and forgot about the charity shout-out this week. Once again, really happy to go and be talking about another great organization. This time around, it's another one that I have personally worked with. This is Mercury One at MercuryOne.org. Another great organization. These guys do so much good. Whenever there's a natural disaster, they are always one of the first guys on the scene Uh, Currently, they're going and focusing on relief efforts for Hurricane Irma and Hurricane Harvey. This is a great company, uh, not company, it's a great uh, 501c3 because 100% of your donations actually goes towards the causes that you put them towards. Uh, They go and pay for all of their operational costs outside. They go and do alternate fundraisers to go and collect for that. So when you're making a donation, it's actually going to what you want it to this is also a great company, Is yeah, I keep saying company, it's a great organization uh, because they actually focus on what matters. They go and give you the options of donating to what you want to, whether it's uh, Hurricane Irma's relief that's going on right now in Florida, Hurricane Harvey. These guys have also gone and done uh, humanitarian uh, jobs when it came to the mass migration a few years ago, bringing stuff down to the refugees that were coming into the country. The Nazarene Fund, where they've been focusing on going and helping to uh, relocate displaced citizens in countries that are being affected, mostly by ISIS, but also other, uh, other just horrible circumstances. These guys are U.S. based, but they are all over the world. They are really focused on going and vetting other organizations as well that can help with these individual cases, Uh, Team Rubicon, uh, Operation Lunchbox, uh, Operation Barbecue. These guys know who to look for when it comes to finding relief in any given crisis. I have been very happy to work with them. It's been a real joy knowing them. I was skeptical at first, but I am 100% with these guys. I love them to death. So please check them out mercury1.org and if you want to go and contribute to them, that's great. Also, if you're an Amazon customer, these guys do also have an Amazon Smile page as well. So whenever you go and make a purchase, you can go and have a portion, or a portion of your donation go to help or go to help their general fund. So that's something I've been doing for a while. I don't know about you guys, but hey, might suit your fancy. Check them out mercury